Hello and welcome to episode 53 of The Witcher Chapter by Chapter Book Review, where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapter 7 from The Lady of the Lake. Alright, well, I'm gonna go right into our recap, followed by the summary, and then we'll discuss the chapter. So, for the recap, I'm recapping you on the character that we are following in this chapter. So where we last left off with this, this person. And that was Siri. So we left off with Siri escaping the world of the NL with the help of the unicorn Little Horse. Or he wear a quacks. See, I, I'm probably saying that's so wrong. That's why I call him Little Horse. After they teleported, Siri realized she wasn't in her place or her time and still had a lot of traveling ahead of her. Okay, so for the summary, eh, I feel like I could probably, I didn't write this down, I should maybe recap you on Nimu and Conwormers. Those two, um, when we last left off with them, they were basically trying to figure out uh, some of the holes in the story of like the legend of Siri. So they live 150 years into the future from our story. And uh, they are trying to fill in some of those holes. And they're also trying to figure out exactly how the ending of that story goes because there are mixed accounts. So now that I got that out of the way, uh, because they are in this chapter too, um, I can go into the summary of chapter seven. All right, well, Siri is teleporting from world to world and from time to time with Little Horse. The unicorn is trying to get her to the proper place in time, but it doesn't seem to come easy to him. Eventually, they arrive in a world where Aridin's Red Riders follow her, and the unicorn seemingly sacrifices himself to protect Siri, and she must portal herself on her own. She comes to many different places, some normal, some terrifying. She even arrives during her time in Vizima and during her time right near Geralt on the mountains in a blizzard, but impatiently leaves before she realizes. She arrives just outside of Nimue's tower, who was sitting out on the terrace with Conwormers. Nimue, who had seen Ciri when she teleported to the same place as Nimue when Nimue was younger, was prepared for this moment and opened a portal for Ciri that sent her to what was described very similarly to Vilgefortz's location. But that is where the chapter ends, so we don't know exactly where she teleported to, but it is probably where Vilgefortz is. I think Nimu sent Ciri to go and rescue Yennefer, which uh, would be a dangerous mission, but it would get her to where she wanted to go. She wanted to help her friends. It would get her to the right place and the right time, which is what she struggled with throughout this whole chapter. Well, this was, it was a great chapter in my opinion. It was very, uh, I don't want to use the word fun. It was very adventurous. Uh, fun sounds weird because there are some really disturbing things that take place in this chapter. Uh, but aside from those, it's kind of fun. It's very, it's different. It's a different kind of story. So let's talk about it. Um, well, as mentioned in the summary, this chapter consists of Siri arriving in many different places and times. And at first she's with Little Horse until she isn't. 
Um, and some of the places are described more vividly than others. So what I want to do is go through them one by one and talk about exactly what it is that she encounters in these different places. Some of them we don't get a lot of information on, but I'll still cover them regardless. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these are they're horrors. So it's going to be, um, it'll be interesting to talk about, but the first place that we see Siri arrive in is, um, or when she's still with little horse. So it's the first one. She's still with little horse. Um, they end up by a lake somewhere in the country of Poland. So they're in our world during the 1300s and some of the names that are mentioned in this section were of real people. So I was able to look up those people and see what time period they were alive. And so that's how I know where they were and uh, what the time period was. I mean, I don't know if it's like border established Poland in the 1300s, but it's what is Poland now. So these men who were on their way to deliver letters headed over to a lake to look for fish, like they're traveling for more than a few nights and they want to look for fish, you know, for food. And right after arriving by the lake, Siri and Little Horse appeared, which terrified them. And then the leader of their group charged after her, thinking that they were apparitions or demons that he needed to defeat. But Little Horse teleported them away before he could do them any harm. After they teleport, Siri asks Little Horse to try harder so that she can get to where she needs to be and when she needs to be. And she starts describing, or she doesn't start, the chapter starts describing some of the other uh, places that they visit by accident. Um, so these were ones that we weren't necessarily present for. Uh, but one of those places that um, is described, it said that there was, oh wait, no, she does describe this. It wasn't just the chapter, it was Siri saying this. She said that there was a pack of filthy, yelling, shaggy heads with clubs. So it sounds like they visited cavemen, which um, if they did, I don't know if that was cavemen from our world. She goes to our world a few times, but um, I guess there could have been cavemen in her world too, or uh, in one of the other worlds that exist. Uh, it's not said how many worlds there are out there in this whole Witcher universe, but uh, we do know that our world is included in that, which is really interesting. So the next place they teleported to was her world, but it was not her time. And it happened to be exactly where Nimue was located when she was only 18 years old. So she was actually outside in the process of being intimate with a man right when Siri appeared. So Siri asked for forgiveness upon seeing Nimue and the man, and she took back off with Little Horse through space and time. And Nimue recognized Siri almost immediately because she had heard the stories about her growing up from the beggar Pogwist who used to come to the village that she lived in, as we already know what's been established. So she begged Siri not to go, but it was too late. She had already taken off. So this explains, this moment explains where Nimue's obsession with the whole legend of Siri came from. She clearly wasn't obsessed with it prior to this moment. She was for sure interested in the story from hearing it as a child. But the moment when Siri appeared, it triggered something in her that made her completely surround her whole life with it. 
So it's interesting to get that little bit of background on Nimue because we know from when we met her that she is very obsessed with this whole legend. Well, the next world that she goes to or the next place was a dark world that smelled horribly. Even Kelpie was visibly repulsed by it. And they wander a little bit in this world and see a bunch of waste and it's really disgusting. And at one point, Siri was about to wipe her watering eyes with her sleeve, but noticed that her sleeve was completely covered in dust. And then she sees that dust was floating all over and covering them in it. And it was kind of sticky. So it was just gross. I'm not exactly sure what this world is supposed to be. But before they leave, Siri says it's not her world. And when she says that it's not her world, Little Horse does something that kind of indicates that eh, actually it is. Uh, but then she thinks, okay, if it is my world, then this is the far distant past. And she hesitates for a second when saying this, clearly worried this could be her world in the future. We don't get any facts here one way or the other, so uh, it's... Probably not that relevant, hopefully not at least, um, because it's a horrible place and it would be good if it didn't come up in the story again for the sake of our characters. But I'm not sure what that was supposed to be or if it was really supposed to be anything. Like a lot of these things you can figure out what the author was getting at with all these places that she visits. Um, not all of them, but a handful of them you can. Uh, this one was one that at least I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be something specific. So actually, um, if you do know or if you have an idea, let me know. Um, you can do that in the YouTube comments um, if you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I don't, there's not a good place to do that there. But YouTube comments, let me know because I uh, actually tried looking it up and I couldn't find any results of anybody that had any ideas. But the way it was described, it, it, it was... Uh, it sounded disgusting, but it, it was interesting nonetheless. Like, I would be very curious to see if what that was supposed to be, if there was any intended thing. Well, she urges Little Horse to get them out of this place, but then he signals to her that she has to be the one to do it. So Little Horse, up until now, has been the one teleporting them. And she has access to her powers now, the powers that this elder blood has provided her. Um, but he doesn't want to keep being the one to teleport her because it's important that she learns how to use her powers, which she does. And she teleports them to a different world. Again, not the intended world um, or time. Uh, this next one that they go to, they only visit it briefly and nothing eventful happened in this world. Um, it was just heavily raining, which was good for them in that moment because it could wash all that dust and stench from them from the previous world that they just left. And then from this rainy place, she teleported to some moors at the edge of a forest where it was very hot. So they were able to dry off from the rain pretty quickly. So they were able to get clean, dry off. And here, Siri asks Little Horse if they traveled far enough yet to escape her pursuers from the NL world. So that is a worry that they haven't forgotten about, that they are still probably being pursued. And he signals that they haven't. They haven't gotten far enough yet. And he says something about the spiral, which she doesn't understand and the unicorns actually mentioned the spiral before in the chapter where Siri was in the NL world. 
And they mentioned that that is the way that Aridin and his Red Riders were able to travel outside of his world. But even here, I mean, that's pretty much all was said about it. But even here in this chapter, when it's brought up again, it still isn't really explained what it means. So we kind of just got to accept that there's something about a spiral and that's how Aridin can leave his world. Anyway, they realize they're not in her world because as it started to get dark out, two moons uh, were in the sky. And Ciri's world, the Witcher world, like our world, only has one moon at night. Well, they leave the moors and they end up on a seashore that quickly becomes obvious, isn't the right place. Um, there's just one little indication of this, but it's the seagulls that are there. They, they proved that they, that they hadn't seen a horse or a human before when they started pecking at Kelpie and Little Horse's fetlocks. So I guess your average seagull would uh, scurry out of the way really quick if, when you get near them. But these ones, uh, they had no intention of moving and they also started to get annoyed with them and uh, started to attack them a little bit. So I guess that was how they knew that that wasn't the right world. They've never witnessed them before, witnessed animals or other animals or humans. But shortly after this, after they arrive, a portal appeared and Aridin and his red riders came out of it pursuing Ciri. So Little Horse tells her to save herself as he charges at them horn first it would seem like Little Horse died here since there was only one of him and a bunch of them. We don't know for sure yet since we only get to see what Siri sees here. And she doesn't know because she's busy riding off fast trying to save herself. But uh, I don't know if we're supposed to believe that Little Horse died, but because we don't witness it, it makes me think that there's a possibility that he did survive. Also, the unicorns are capable of doing a lot of magic, and I'm sure there's a lot of magic that they can do that was not fleshed out. So maybe he was able to protect her, hold some of them off a little bit, and also save himself. And maybe he just couldn't catch back up to her. I don't know. I hope that's the case uh, because Little Horse is a friend. Little Horse really helped her out and that's uh, her buddy that she suffered with in the Korath Desert. And it would just be a huge bummer if he died, especially trying to save Ciri. I mean, noble, but sad. Well, the riders chase her hard and fast and even try to lasso Kelpie. But since Kelpie is an insanely fast horse, as has been demonstrated many times before, she manages to escape them and teleport to another world. So she is not in danger in the next world of Aridin and his riders. So some of her next stops, these ones were just described kind of briefly. So the first one, it said that she ended up somewhere where women were being burned at the stake. So that could have been our world since that's recorded in history many times in many places. Uh, I guess that that could happen in any world though, where there are humans. So uh, we don't really know exactly where she was there, but that's the first place that she went to. And then uh, after that, she landed in a city that was burning. And then this one I actually thought was interesting. It said that she tele teleported to a place where enormous two-legged lizards fought one another. Uh, to me, that sounds like she went all the way back to dinosaur times, which I think is pretty cool and also shows that her powers have absolutely no limit for how distantly she can travel through time. And of course, it's only going to be described from Ciri's perspective as um, the 
giant two-legged lizards because in her world, they don't know about dinosaurs. They don't have like the technology that we have in this world that we're able to know about that. They do have magic, but still, I think that the technology that we have, they don't have it there. So they're not like, it's interesting when you think about um, people who lived just a couple hundred years ago, they never even knew dinosaurs existed. So um, anyway, it's possible that's not even what it was. Uh, we don't know if she even came to our world. Maybe dinosaurs existed in her world too, but I think that she traveled back a very, very, very long time ago and saw some dinosaurs. So interesting. Uh, then there was a place with a lot of wind windmills. There was a place with a lot of snakes and a dark place where she could only hear voices and whispers. And it was really spooky. Well, as I previously mentioned, Little Horse wanted Siri to teleport on her own so she could learn to control her powers because although she can now access these powers, she's always kind of had them, I guess, but now she's able to harness them. There is a learning curve, which is why she keeps ending up at the wrong places and times. I think that's also why when Little Horse was doing the teleporting, he couldn't get her to the right places and times because I think he was a young unicorn when he was with her in the Korath Desert. I think he was like very, very young. And then I think when she met up with him again in the NL world, um, he said that, um, oh, I'm growing up now. So I think he was pretty young and he was still probably himself trying to learn how to teleport from worlds and times. So I think that it's important that Siri learns how to do, how to do this. And it's just one of the things you have to learn by practicing. But after ending up in all these aforementioned places, she starts to learn how to control and channel this power a little bit more. So she starts to experiment. So Siri's able to successfully get herself back to the moors. She kind of liked it there. So she went back intentionally. And when she realizes that she had control over that, she tries to experiment a little bit with controlling what time she ended up in. So she makes an attempt to teleport back to the burning city, but to either before or after the city was burning. And it doesn't work because she almost lands directly in the fire. When she goes back, it's still a burning city. Then she goes back to trying to intentionally land in certain places. So she starts to imagine places like the Temple School in Elander, Kermorin, Skellige, Gorsvalin, and even Vizima. She didn't have any luck with those other places, but she did manage to get to Vizima and during the present day. And when I say present day, I mean like present day, like where are, like, where, where, you know, like Geralt and Yennefer and all of them are alive. <laughs> Saying present day when you're talking about this chapter can get kind of confusing because we're all over the place when it comes to time. So, the reason that we, the reader, know that she ended up in Vizima during her time and Siri did not know that was because her arrival there was shown through the perspective of this astrologer. He was actually peeing off the balcony when she teleported on the ground below. So from his thoughts, we're told that he was in Vizima and that he was observing the comet in the sky. And it's the same comet that was described in the previous chapter the one where Yara was noticing it. And then the other people that Yara was with were talking about it. And I can confirm that it definitely is the same comet because the astrologer notes that it's known to be an omen of war and massacres. And they talked about that. But 
that one could already predict war and death were abound since the war with Nilfgaard was well underway at this point. So that's how we know it was the present day. There, uh, there's the comet in the sky. He notes that it's Vizima and the war with Nilfgaard is going on because I guess certain comets you might see um, like once every whatever amount of years. But yeah, this one, uh, this was definitely the one that Yara noticed in the previous chapter. Regrettably, the man that uh, Siri teleported by, the astrologer, he was completely dumbstruck by Siri's sudden appearance that when she asks him where and when she is, he doesn't tell her anything before she gets impatient and teleports away. And this was so frustrating. <laughs> I so badly wanted her to show a little more patience and actually find out where she was here. Like, give the guy an extra minute to talk, but she just thought that he was some random guy that didn't speak her language. And I guess I can understand her being impatient in general after everything that she's been going through. I mean, it makes sense that her level of patience is limited, but the frustration and disappointment I felt here was, it was not nearly as bad as what I felt with the next place that she teleported to. So let's talk about that. When she believes she failed again at teleporting to the place she wanted to go to, she decides to try imagining someone she wanted to see instead of a place. So she imagines Geralt and thinks about how she wants to see him. And it works. And you'd think that would be great. You'd think this would be a cause for celebration. <laughs> Except that she doesn't know it works. Well, Geralt and the company are currently trekking across a mountain pass during a blizzard. So Siri ends up in that blizzard and immediately thinks that she got it wrong again. But Geralt was right nearby and she teleports away before they can see each other. Oh, that was so disappointing. It was painful, but I kind of get it. She, okay, first of all, she wasn't dressed for that, wet, for that weather. It was a blizzard. She's not wearing like a big coat or anything like that. So I can understand her wanting to get out of there fast. Also, she, in that moment, wasn't considering that Geralt would be in the middle of a blizzard. I think Siri arrived there and then her first thought was, oh, this obviously isn't the right place. I gotta get out of here, it's freezing. You could make the argument though that she maybe should, should have considered that she, she had visions of Geralt dying in the snow pretty recently. Oberon showed her that mirror and in that mirror she could see Geralt dead in the snow. So you would think that because of that she would consider it but perhaps in that moment the storm was very startling and she didn't have enough time to process thoughts like that and she's been going through a lot. So we can cut Siri a little bit of slack I think. It just sucked. Oh it sucked so bad. It's just so difficult to see that they were right near each other and missed each other by what I think was like a minute. And the reason that we learn that they were near each other is because after we see Siri end up in this blizzard, the chapter temporarily cuts to Geralt's perspective. And Angolem notices the horseshoe tracks in the snow. And they have a quick discussion about whether they should follow the prince or not. And Geralt decides that they should, and they do until the prince are suddenly gone. They disappeared where Siri was when she teleported away. 
and Regis and Milva thought it was odd that Geralt agreed to follow the tracks, since that seems unlike him. But he justified it by saying that something touched him, like he could feel something. So he could sense that she was nearby. He just didn't know exactly what it was that he was sensing. Well, after leaving the blizzard, she tries to return to the moors that she visited a couple of times, but realized after arriving that it wasn't exactly the same. So there were a lot of birds, whereas previously there were none, and the terrain and foliage had some differences. So she decided to travel through the forest a little until an old man was peeping at her from behind a tree. So the two of them start talking and he introduces himself as Forrest Gramps. Right away, you can tell something's weird about him. Aside from him peeking out at her from behind a tree in the middle of nowhere, he says things that are kind of weird and he wears these really big shoes and he guessed that she traveled from other places and times and never really explains how he knows that or why he even thought to say that. But he invites her to his cottage and says he'll feed her and she agrees. And this is where it gets disturbing. They arrive outside his home and he whacks her over the head with what I think is his walking stick. And then he tries to force himself on her. He was really close to successfully doing so until Kelpie, Kelpie came to the rescue here. She bites him and then Siri's able to get up off the ground. And he doesn't give up here though. He actually starts to try to kill her with an ax. He starts swinging this ax at her and he's surprisingly really fast um, because he's this like decrepit looking old man, but he's really fast with this ax. Uh, but she she's able to get her sword and kill him. Um, the disturbing content from this section of the chapter doesn't end here, even though this horrible man is now dead. Uh, Siri starts to explore around his home and she finds a cellar where she saw a slab of meat hanging, but quickly learned that it was from the body of a child. And she also found a nearby water-filled hollow that contained the bones of other people who Forrest Gramps must have been killing and then eating. So she is able to deduce that he was murdering people and then eating them because he's got this whole setup outside of his home that's, I guess, kind of like what a butcher would have, but it was for people. And he mentions something of the sort um, before she kills him. But she burns the house down and takes off. And uh, yeah, I, I probably could have added a little bit more detail. I didn't want to talk about that for that long. That was so sick. In this book series, in all of the Witcher books, there are... It can be a dark story. There is definitely some content that is really hard to read. And out of probably... Um, I don't know. I mean, I never sat there and counted how many things I found really disturbing. But that moment, when I read this book series through the first time, that one was one of them that stood out the most to me. Um, like Boneheart and like how he cut off all the rats' heads. That was um, that was definitely... Th that one and this one would be in the top five for me. I, I remember that sat with me for a while when I read this chapter the first time. Well, moving on. 
uh, unluckily, Siri leaves this one horror just to end up in another. So the next place she visits is probably our world during the height of the bubonic plague, the Black Death. And it's described like a pure nightmare. So she arrives at a port where there's fires in the distance, the stench of things that are burning, death and decay, and there's a lot of dead rats all around as well as dead humans. Then she notices she is covered in fleas and this freaks her out and she takes off down an alley and she sees these white crosses on the doors and infected people and that's something they did during the Black Death. They would put white crosses on the doors of those uh, the, the people that lived in that home who were infected. Um, but she soon gets out of there. And from this plague-ridden city, she teleports to another port. But this one was normal and not a horror site. It was, however, not safe for her because it happened to be in Nilfgaard. So she decides to leave there quickly because if she's in Nilfgaard during her time, then she definitely doesn't want to get spotted. But before she does take off, one of the fleas that jumped on her from the previous world, from the previous location, made it back on her, like in her coat pocket or something. Um, it traveled through space and time with her and it jumped off. It soon got onto a rat. That rat boarded a ship called Catriona, uh, which is said would soon spread that plague throughout this world. So that is terribly unfortunate. So we might expect to, if she did end up in Nilfgaard during her time, which I th would think she did, um, then yeah, we might start hearing about a plague pretty soon, as if there wasn't already enough bad stuff in this world. Well, she then teleports to this serene little village in France, and she goes into an inn and she exchanges one of her silver buttons for food. And the innkeeper treated her very kindly, even though they didn't speak the same language. So finally, Siri is in a very nice place with a nice person. She gets to eat and relax for a little bit. And after all of this traveling and escaping and stress, she falls asleep at the table and she starts to dream. And in her dream, she sees some things that are real. So she sees Yara sitting at a fire explaining why he wants to join the army. She sees Yennefer on horseback, so this isn't totally, like, completely, it's like pieces of it are real. But she sees Yennefer on horseback on a street with crosses on the doors of the houses, like in the plague city that she just visited. Uh, there's a mirror floating in front of Yen's face uh, because she can't use her hands since they're mangled and blood-soaked. And we do know that that's the case with Yen's hands after being tortured. Then she sees the witcher Cohen training her in Kaer Morhen until he turns into the black cat that lives in the tavern that she's in in France right now. And then she actually sees Nimue and Conwormers on the tower terrace. So the last thing she sees is Aridin. So she thinks that she's awake in this moment because she is dreaming that she's in this tavern. Um, so she sees Aridin um, sitting across from her telling her, that she won't be able to evade him for long. And she also hears him say a couple of other things, but they're kind of repetitive and small. But basically the gist of what he was telling her was that he's going to catch up with her. But she's suddenly awoken by the innkeeper and realizes it was all a dream. And she takes off 
And the next place she arrives in is by the lake tower where Nimue and Conwormers are sitting on the terrace. So Conwormers is totally astonished by Siri's sudden appearance, but Nimue acts as if she's been waiting for this moment. So she opens a portal for Siri, and through the portal, you can see a plateau with shipwrecks, a castle on the cliffs, and a mountain lake, which is exactly how the location around Vilgefortz's hideout was described. Plus, in a previous chapter, Nimue was saying that the climax of Siri's legend probably took place in Saiga Castle, which seems to have been implied as the same place as where Vilgefortz is. We don't know 100% yet, but it seems like it. Uh, Nimu tells Siri to trust her since she saw her before and to go to her encounter with destiny. And Siri says she trusts her, thanks her, and goes through the portal. So it would appear that Nimu sent Siri to rescue Yennefer, getting her to the correct time and the correct place. Which is pretty cool. Well, the chapter ends here, but I do want to back it up to talk about a piece that I haven't talked about yet. So, as is probably obvious by now, the chapter switches from Siri to Nimue and Conwormers a few times. And one of the times that it switches to those two, they have a detailed talk about the White Frost. So, we know that the White Frost from Ithlene's Prophecy has been brought up many times. And Avalok, a knowing one, talked about how important it was for Ciri to aid in getting people out of her world using her powers uh, before the White Frost came to their world. Their world being like Ciri's world, because Avalok's of a different world. Um, Geralt didn't believe that this was real. I've even stated my doubts about it in previous episodes, also partly because the story with Nimue, like when we were with Nimue and like Conwormers, that takes us around 150 years in the future. And the White Frost clearly hadn't happened. So I figured out, oh, well, I guess it's not a real thing if we go 150 years into the future and everything's fine. Um, because it did seem like they were talking about like it was something that could happen soon. Maybe that's just how I interpreted it, but whatever. Um, here, Nimue tells Conwormers that she thinks the White Frost is real and it will certainly happen. So this conversation about it starts when Conwormer says that she often dreams of a world of people being trapped below a thick layer of ice. And she knows that the source of this dream is the prophecy and states that she doesn't believe in the prophecy and apparently neither do a lot of other people. So Nimue says that she does believe it and she explains why. And her explanation offers a lot of detail. I'll just provide you with a quick summary of it. Basically, what she says is that the spherical shape of the Earth and the tilt of the axis that it sits on, as well as its elliptical orbit around the Sun, is subject to minor cyclical changes over time and impacts the weather in such a way that it will eventually cause major cold snow and eventually an enormous glacier that will doom all of the living. Nimue argues that there is proof that they are heading towards this. And the proof can be seen in changes like how there are certain ports that freeze every winter. And 100 years ago, they never used to freeze. And there are certain areas where vegetation currently isn't possible, but those areas used to be able to produce many crops. So 
Based on that, there are definitely big weather changes, and uh, it sounds pretty scary. Uh, so she says that it will take around 3,000 years to actually see any, like, or for the white frost to happen, I guess it's going to take 3,000 years for those changes to impact them enough for the white frost to occur. But from what she says, I think it sounds pretty legit. It makes it seem more likely since she provided a scientific explanation rather than just some old elven prophecy, which is easy to doubt an old elven prophecy. So maybe Avalok wasn't lying. I talked about how he could be lying a couple episodes back. I thought that maybe he was just trying to convince them that that was real. So I felt like with Avalok, he he made it seem like it would happen soon. Like it, he didn't talk about it as if it was supposed to be 3,000 years into the future. Uh, he definitely seemed to talk about it with more of a sense of urgency, um, which could have just been his way of trying to convince Geralt and Ciri to cooperate. I think that that's what it could be, or it could have just been because time has little meaning to him, so he didn't think to even mention that. Or maybe his foresight doesn't allow him to see exactly when it'll happen. Or maybe even he doesn't think the amount of time into the future is relevant. The fact is that it's going to happen and they need a solution. Who knows? Avalok is uh, pretty mysterious. But that sucks that the White Frost is probably coming. All right. Well, closing thoughts. Even with all of the horror, uh, I think it was a pretty fun chapter. Uh, weird to describe it as fun. When you get around like forest grams and like the plague city, uh, it was it was fun. It's just getting to see Siri visit different worlds and times on demand. It gave the story such a different feel, like almost kind of like a sci-fi vibe, which isn't really what you sign up for when you read these books. But since it was just one chapter, it's not a bad thing. Um, looking ahead. My closing thoughts were pretty brief this episode. Looking ahead, if Ciri's final destination was indeed Vilgefortz's place, I hope she can rescue Yennefer without running into any issues. But that doesn't seem likely. Like if she could just sneak in there, get Yennefer out, teleport her away, uh, that would be great. But... Uh, Nimue did say that the final climax of the story took place in Stega Castle, and I think that that's where they are now, or where she is now. I think that's where Vilgefortz is. But we're going to have to wait and see until we get to the chapter where that is covered. So right now, we're just kind of left on a little cliffhanger. Okay, well, that's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.